It's a bad world out there. So take solace in the word on Solace Radio. Abba Father, we thank you for your sweet and glorious presence here this evening. Fathers, we're preparing ourselves for the high holy days. We seek your presence. We seek your face. We seek more of you, Abba Father. We need you in this hour. Such a critical time we live in, Father. But our focus is upon you, upon your kingdom, and the soon return of your Son. Abba Father, we continue to honor you, to minister to you, to worship you this evening. That's the very purpose of our creation, to glorify and honor you. And Abba Father, we're praying that tonight we would have a transformative, radical encounter with you. Transform us, Abba Father. Renew us, that we may draw closer to you. Abba Father, may your kingdom come and your will be done right here tonight as it is in heaven. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Elul, 40 days of prayer and fasting. I mentioned this very so slightly last Shabbat. But the actual month of Elul begins tomorrow evening at sunset, Saturday, August the 27th. The first of Elul begins a time of repentance and preparation for the high holy days. We're 30 days out from Yom Teruah, 40 days till Yom Kippur. Elul is seen as a time to search one's heart and to draw closer to God in preparation for the coming day of judgment. When the Sefer HaChaim, the book of life, is opened, Yom Kippur, the day of purging. The month of Elul is likened to a king visiting his subjects in the field before returning to his palace. Elul is an Akkadian word for harvest. The Jewish names of months came from our captivity in Babylon. Scripture itself refers to the months by their numerical order, except for the first month of the new year, which is known as Aviv. Elul is a time to search one's heart to draw closer to Adonai, and it is customary to recite Psalms 27 every day, during this 40-day period of seeking God's mercy and forgiveness. The 27th Psalm is one of trust. The psalmist has no fear of enemies while in the Lord's protection. This psalm is extremely relevant in our day today as it was when David wrote this. Psalms 27, starting in verse 1, it says, Adonai is my light, Ori in the Hebrew, and salvation, Yeshua. Whom do I need to fear? Adonai is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When evildoers assailed me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war breaks out against me, even then I will keep trusting. Just one thing I have asked of Adonai, only this will I seek, to live in the house of Adonai all the days of my life, to seek the beauty of Adonai and visit in his temple. Verse 5, for he will conceal me in his shelter, Sukha in the Hebrew, on the day of trouble. He will hide me in the folds of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be lifted up above my surrounding foes, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, sing praises to Adonai. Verse 7, listen, Adonai, to my voice when I cry. Show favor to me and answer me. Verse 8, my heart said of you, seek my face. Your face, Adonai, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You are my help. Don't abandon me. Don't leave me, God, my Savior. Even though my father and mother have left me, Adonai, will care for me. Teach me your way, Adonai. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Verse 12, don't give up on me. Don't give me up to the whims of my foes, for false witnesses have risen against me, also those who are breathing violence. Verse 13, if I hadn't believed that I would see Adonai's goodness in the land of the living, 
Put your hope in Adonai. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, put your hope in Adonai. I highly encourage you to read this passage every day for the next 40 days. The reason this psalm is fundamental to this period of teshuva repentance is that it contains references to all three of the fall feasts. My light ori in Hebrew refers to Yom Teruah as the shofar announces the arrival of Adonai, the or, the light. My salvation, Yeshua, refers to the atonement he gave us for Yom Kippur. Then David states Adonai would hide him in his sukkah in the times of trouble, referring to the holiday of Sukkot in verse 5. In verse 13, we have a textual oddity here. It says, if I hadn't believed that I would see Adonai's goodness in the land of the living, the phrase, if I hadn't, in Hebrew is lulei, which read, it's the backward spelling of Elul. Salvation comes from devoted trust in Adonai's mercy, goodness, and salvation. This year's Elul time of repentance and prayer is significantly more critical as we're in the cyclical seven-year pattern of Shemitah, which I haven't really talked about since we came into the new year, the first of Nisan, back at April 1st in the springtime. In a Shemitah year, all fields are left fallow, and whatever the land produces, all, both people and animals, may consume and eat. Shemitah is also a year of nullification of all credit and debt. Now, this is the key to this entire understanding of Shemitah. It's a time of ratification of credit and debt. Shemitah tends to be, but not exclusively, culminate in the fall high holy days. So I'm not going to go through every seven-year cycle as I did in the springtime, but I'm going to highlight the previous fall Shemitah events that have occurred, that we've had these instances in the last some 30, 40 years. If followed and obeyed, Shemitah is a great source of blessing and provision. God's own word states that if we are not greedy and follow this principle, there will be no needy among us because he will bless the land. Like Shabbat, every seventh year is holy and set apart. The Shemitah year is a year devoted to strengthening and deepening our relationship with Adonai, a resolve to trust in his omnipotence and grace. How powerfully this intertwines with Elul. See, because 40 days, this could be a time of great blessing, but 40 is also a period of judgment. And I've just, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind, it was 2017, just five years ago, where this very day we had the first totalitarian eclipse of the entire U.S., marking this 40-day period. And we all referred to that as the, as the Jonah fast. 40 days, repent, or, or the Lord says, I'm going to bring judgment upon them. Well, Nineveh repented. America didn't. We're far worse now five years later than we were back in 2017. If Shemitah is not followed, it becomes a point of judgment from Adonai upon our blessings, provision, and wealth because of disobedience. Considering this revelation, I will share that a perfect storm of drought, economic chaos, food shortages, famine, global shipping crisis, self-inflicted energy crisis, hyperinflation, housing bubble, which is already bursting, coupled with America's rejection of Adonai, the sexual immorality, all creating a perfect storm that few are ready and prepared for it. 20 million Americans, 20 million are behind in their utility bills and face cutoff in the next... 30 days. 40 million Americans. You, you staggering number. 40 million Americans are behind in their mortgage and rent, thereby facing eviction in the next 30 days. We just passed a $3 trillion inflation bill that requires us to print money to pay for it. Printing money causes hyperinflation. How do you, they should have passed a bill that says stop printing money. It's insanity. We just found out this week there's a severe paper shortage. We have a, we have, we, there's a printer we've been working with for 15 years. 
that does the bulletins or tithing envelopes. And so we're running low on tithing envelopes, and then we got a call last week that they, don't, they only had a, a small amount of the manila ones we've been using forever. So we had to order half that order in white, and they said that the, the price of those envelopes have gone up 100%, and they're not sure if they can get stock for our next order. The good news is you can do it online. We will have envelopes here, but so what's going to happen? Economic collapse, war, riots, anarchy, civil war, racial war, terrorism, more extreme weather patterns. Come on. We have a thousand-year drought out west. Texas, Dallas was 12 inches or uh, 10 inches below in rain. Then in a four-hour period, they got nine inches of rain. That hasn't happened ever since they've recorded records in Dallas. Weird weather patterns, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions. Maybe all the above will happen. Maybe nothing. Maybe delayed judgment. Maybe revival. The, the hardest part of all of this is that it's not up to us. If you check our social media, I, I, I publish stories all the time in there that for some reason, the mainstream media, they're not talking about this. They're just focused on the politics in D.C. There was a story just, listen, just two months ago, not even six weeks ago, there was a 10-mile backup in Texas of cattle semis taking the cattle to market. They're dumping the cattle. They can't afford to pay the fuel to harvest wheat. There's no uh, fertilizer for the crops, and they can't get the food to feed the cattle. So the good news is beef will be incredibly dropping in price over the next several months. The bad news is come January, you probably won't be able to afford to buy beef. It's going to go through the roof. Adonai knows what he's going to do. We do not fully, but he's been guiding us profoundly. He is sovereign, performing his will despite what we think or feel. Knowing America's unrighteousness and immorality goes before us, let's look back historically at the fall high holy day Shemitah cycles that had economic issues to see the pattern and indicator of the severity that's possible, yet it's no guarantee. And I keep saying this, people don't like ones who bring the truth. And so whenever I talk about this kind of stuff, and I don't do it every week, but when I do, I, I'll get pushback. I'll get emails, someone will call on radio, Rabbi, why are you always being so negative? I'm not being negative. It's where we're at as a nation. And, and my purpose is to make you aware that you may prepare, that you may get ready. Tomato paste, come on, tomato paste. Are you hearing me? Tomato paste has gone up 80%. You know where most of your tomatoes come from? California. You know what California doesn't have right now? Water. They're rationing water. 60% of our fruits and vegetables come from California. There'll be no harvest, little harvest this coming fall. I shared with someone about buying some freeze-dried food. I said, you know, you can even get freeze-dried butter. Really? I said, yeah, because half our chicken-producing plants and eggplants have burned up very mysteriously over the last six months. Anybody knows the price of eggs? <laughs> Through the roof. And so I shared with this person, listen, I, a year ago I, I purchased this. And it was $35. And I said, you're going to be stunned because you're going to go look online. You're going to find out it's $89. The person called me back 15 minutes later. It's $89. I said, I know. But you're going to wish three months from now when it's 159 that you'd have bought it when it was 89 See, because out there, they're starting to figure this out. There's something going on. Listen, listen to these patterns that, that take place in a Schmidt-Toss cycle. I'm going to start at 1973, almost 50 years ago. The stock market crash fueled by President Nixon freezing wages and prices because of hyperinflation. Fueled by an OPEC oil embargo. We have something similar, but this time it's self-inflicted. Why? Because we supported Israel in the 1973 Yom Kippur War. This is a Shemitah year, but when does this unfold? During the fall feast. At this time, it was the worst stock market downturn since the Great Depression. 1987, seven years forward. I'm sorry, two cycles forward. The one in between wasn't connected to it. 
Black Monday, as it's referenced to today, October 19th, 1987, five days after the end of Sukkot. The stock markets around the world crashed. The biggest one-day percentage drop in U.S. stock market history, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, dropped 22%. The S&P 500, 20.4%. To give you some perspective on the severity of Black Monday, the worst one-day drop of the Dow Jones during the stock market crash of 1929 was just 12%. And by the way, currently right now, it's dropped 22% already, the Dow Jones. Come forward, 1994, the early summer of 94, the NASDAQ peaked and went into a decline of 14% over 14 weeks, causing the 94 bond market crisis or the great bond massacre that peaked in September of 1994. Sukkot that year was September 19th through the 26th of 1994. 2001, you all remember 9-11. So after 9-11 happened, what happened to the stock market? It was closed for a week. It was shut down for a week. As soon as it opened, a plunge in the stock market causing a 1.4 trillion loss in the market value. The first week of trading after the attacks, the S&P 500 fell more than 14%, followed by the Enron scandal. Yon Teruel was September 17th, 2001. 2008, the housing market bubble, it burst September 29th, 2008. Yon Teruel that year was September 29th, 2008. The Dow Jones fell 777 points, the largest single-day loss in Dow Jones history up to this point. This is when Congress started bailing out all these major corporations. That's when Lehman, the fourth largest investment bank in the world, tanked 25,000 employees, $639 billion in assets. It happened on what day? Yom Teruah. Now, what marks these periods before him? Fasting and prayer, 40 days, fasting and prayer. 2015. The U.S. Supreme Court redefined biblical covenant of marriage for the first time. All these terrorist attacks, all this crazy stuff happening around the world. The 2015 flash crash refers to the rapid stock market decline on Monday, August 24th, 2015. Elul 1 began Friday, August 14th at sunset, just 10 days prior to that. The S&P 500 fell as much as 103 points below the Friday, August 21st closing. Also referred to the August 24th flash crash right in the days of Elul. So now here we are entering into Elul 2022, seven years later after this last incident, and we're in Shemitah. Will the pattern continue? Only he knows. But the setup, and all that we read, certainly looks like it's coming. These 40 days are an awakening from the apathy and slumber that's been induced by sin, by the apathy in the greater body of Messiah. It pains me that most of the body of Messiah knows nothing about what I just shared with you. 99%, and this isn't, I'm not saying this negatively, and I'm not bashing, but 99% of Christianity has no idea what a Shabbatah cycle is. No concept of this whatsoever. They don't celebrate the fall feast, so they'd see no need to pray, fast, and seek Adonai in this time period. But yet, here we are. These 40 days are an awakening. The fall feast, the Moedim, the divine appointments that God established specific times that he said he'd be off the throne and among his people. So is it going to be among the people for joy and happiness, or is it going to be among us for judgment? It's critical for us to prepare for these appointed times. Isaiah 55, starting in verse 6, it says, Seek Adonai while he is available. Call on him while he is still nearby. This is critical for this time. See, we don't have to wonder if God will show up at Shabbat. We spent a period of time in Christendom, and I've heard, I've heard pastors say, well, I, I hope the presence of God shows up this morning. You don't have to worry about that in a Shabbat. He made you a covenant promise 3,500 years ago that he's got a date night with you, and come sunset on Friday evening, he will be here. 
Seek him while he's available, while he's still nearby. Verse 7, let the wicked person abandon his way and the evil person his thoughts. Let him return to Adonai, Hashivenu, and he will have mercy on him. Let him return to our God, for he will freely forgive. These services in these 40 days of Elul are referred to as shlechot services. From Psalms 130, verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness. Shlecha, forgiveness, pardon, so that you will be feared. See, this is the good news side of this. This word exclusively refers to God's mercy to grant forgiveness, to pardon the sins of those who repent. Shlecha is found only three times in the Tanakh. We just read the first one in Psalms 130, verse 4. The other two are in profound prayers of, guess what? Repentance. The first in Nehemiah, where he recalled our rebellion and Adonai's compassion toward us. In Nehemiah 9, starting at verse 16, it says, But they and our ancestors were arrogant. They were stiffened their necks and ignored your mitzvahs, your commands. They refused to listen. They refused to shema and paid no attention to the wonders you had done among them. No, they stiffened their neck and in their rebellion appointed a leader to return them to their slavery. But because you are a God of forgiveness, shlecha, merciful, full of compassion, slow to grow angry, and full of grace, you will not abandon them. And then in Daniel's powerful prayer of repentance upon reading in Jeremiah that Israel's 70 years of captivity was over. The exile in Babylon, then Persia, was complete. Daniel immediately began repenting for Israel's sins that had resulted in our exile. In Daniel 9, starting at verse 8, it says, Yes, Adonai, shame falls on us, our kings, our leaders, and our ancestors, because we sinned against you. It is for Adonai, our God, to show compassion and forgiveness. Shlecha. Because we rebelled against him. We didn't listen to the voice of Adonai, our God, so that we could live by his laws, which he presented to us through his servants, the prophets. You know, the last two weeks of the divine mentor readings in Jeremiah have really been a holy setup for this time of Elul prayers, for this season of repentance. In Jeremiah's time, things were bleak. And when he spoke, nobody wanted to hear what he had to say. Nobody liked it. Everyone's prophesying peace and peace. And when he prophesied the truth, when he gave the word of the Lord, They tried to kill him. They arrested him. They put him in cisterns. Again and again and again. It didn't bode well for him. Why? Because he was the voice of truth. Things were bleak in his time, just as they are for us today. What we learn from Jeremiah is that (laughs) it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to unfold the way it did. Listen, I'm going to read two excerpts from Jeremiah 23, but I was tempted to read the whole chapter. Because it's so profound in this. Maybe go home tonight, tomorrow morning, have some coffee and read Jeremiah 23. First is... Verses 1 through 4. It says, oh no, the shepherds are destroying and scattering the sheep in my pasture, says Adonai. My God, is that happening today? You know how many denominational splits we've experienced in the last six months? The last one being the Episcopals. I'm going to call it right out because it was a news article. And guess, guess what they're splitting over? LGBTQT. Over gender dysphoria. The Episcopal Church is going to start counseling children about gender dysphoria and sex change operations. Oh no, the shepherds are destroying and scattering the sheep. This is a radical mandate and a call to every person who's in a pulpit who leads a congregation. You better be very sure about what you're sharing with the sheep. Because verse 2 is chilling. Therefore, this is what Adonai, the God of Israel, says against the shepherds who shepherd my people. You have scattered my flock. You've driven them away and not taken care of them. So I will take care of you because of your evil deeds, says Adonai. I myself will gather what remains of my flock from all the countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their homes. And they'll be fruitful and increase in their numbers. And I will appoint shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they will no longer be afraid or disgraced. 
And none will be missing, says Adonai. There's no doubt in my heart that Adonai brought Rabbitson and I here for such a time and season as this. I've shared this a few times over the last 22 years. I went on a submarine thinking, man, wouldn't that be dandy to be a Messianic rabbi? Life's fame. Oh, no. Matter of fact, when, when the Lord broached it, me at a um no. Uh, you know who I am. First of all, I can't believe you're even speaking to me about this. How could you possibly use me? And second of all, you know my past. And he says, oh, no. Oh, it's you. Then he shared with us that, you know, Moses was a murderer. Paul was a murderer. King David was a murderer. Oh, I'm not a murderer. But it made me feel a little better. The Lord's raising up shepherds in this hour. But, but it's not the tickling little message the sheep want to hear. Because the greater body is an apostasy. Too much of the greater body looks like the world. It acts like the world. It's no different than the world. And then we have verses 16 through 18 of Jeremiah 23. First, it's a conviction, if you will, an indictment against the shepherds. Now, it's an indictment against the prophetic voice. Adonai says, don't listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They're making you act foolishly, telling you visions from their own minds and not from the mouth of Adonai. They keep reassuring those who despise me, Adonai says, you will be safe and secure. And saying to all living by their own stubborn hearts, nothing bad will happen to you. But which of them has been present at the council of Adonai to see and hear his word? Who has paid attention to his word enough to hear it? These verses accurately reveal our own situation today. Our own shepherds have scattered the sheep with lying spirits and doctrines of demons. Man-made religion that espouses and even accepts the immoral culture that we're in. Almost every denomination is split over these falsehoods. Same-sex marriage, wokeism. The greater body is overwhelmed with false prophets who are not hearing or speaking the voice of Adonai. They speak their own words and proclaim dreams that aren't from Adonai and don't come to pass. The greater body is in apostasy. Well, I'm going to share a few lines from an article from January 20th, 2021. It was in Christianity, Christianity Today magazine regarding false prophecies. It says, unfortunately, social media makes it next to impossible to control the national stage. So true. And consumeristic North American Christians tend to gravitate toward what they're inclined to hear. It's not the fault of true prophets and teachers that false ones get higher view counts. Times when the prophetic voice is silent in the land are desperate times, or even times of judgment. But times when false prophecy dominates are even worse. This means that the law of supply and demand can affect religious media. When people do not want true prophecy, they'll get what is false. Isaiah 30 verse 10 says, They say to the seers, do not see to those who have visions. Do not tell us the visions you have as they really are, but flatter, flatter us, fabricate illusions. I have almost exclusively stopped listening to any prophetic voice in America. And, and I'm not saying this because one of his own, but so far the only one that's been hitting on all eight cylinders has been Jonathan Kahn, who has written books about the feast days, about Shemitah, about Isaiah 9, about the things that are coming. It also says in Jeremiah 5, verse 31, the prophets are prophesying lies. The Kohanim obey the prophets, and my people love it that way. But what will you do at the end of it all? If consumers of a particular political or other bent want to hear prophecies to support their desires, prophets, and meet those felt needs, they'll become the most popular. And it must, must, and here's, here's the critical to all of this. No matter what it is, it's got to reconcile to the written word of God. Jeremiah 26, starting at verse 4. This, this is resounding. So tell them this is what the Lord says. If you will not pay attention to me and live according to my Torah, which I have given you, and listen to what my servants the prophets whom I send to you say, and I've sent them frequently, but you haven't listened, 
that I will make this house like Shiloh, and I will make the city an object of cursing for all the nations of the earth. At Messiah Conference this year, between all the meetings, I was able to get an afternoon of yeshiva in. I love to go to yeshiva. Dr. Jeffrey Seif is one of the most profound scholars, not only in our movement, because he's a, he's a Messianic Jewish doctor of theology, but in the world. Professor at King's College. He's also a law enforcement, a Dallas sheriff, very dynamic individual. And he did a survey of the New Testament. There's a message in here. I just haven't got to it yet. But when you look at the chronology of when the New Testament, the Brahada Shah, was written, the last books written, not completely last, but the last one-third of it written were the Gospels. Four-fifths of the epistles, the letters, were written before the Gospels were written. So when we read those things, right, that all the Word is sound and just, approved for teaching, blah, 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 right? The Gospels didn't exist yet. Not, not that, not that the, it hadn't been canonized yet. They didn't exist. We've really got to overcome this argument about Torah and no Torah, obedience and disobedience. First, second, and third John, again this week in the readings. What's the proof that you love God? You obey His commands. I mean, this is an indictment. They won't pay attention to me. They won't live according to my Torah. What is that? The entire written Word of God. So if we don't do this, judgment will come. Verse 7, the Kohanim, the prophets, and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of Adonai. Verse 8, when Jeremiah finished saying everything Adonai had ordered him to say, all the people, the Kohanim, the prophets, and the people seized him, shouting, you'll die for this. Yet when it unfolded, the Lord gave Jeremiah great favor. And he could come and go as he pleased. That whole group there, gone. Everyone slaughtered by Nebuchadnezzar. Gone. Gone. And, and the sad story that parallels right to where we're at today, it, it didn't have to be that way. Judah was given a choice to serve and obey Adonai and his Torah or not. It, 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 go back and <laughs> read these eight or ten chapters. Start in chapter 20. They told the king, go out and submit to Nebuchadnezzar and you'll stay right here on your throne. It was about humbleness. And, and the king, he, he would go to Jeremiah. Right? He pulled him out of the pit. And he says, come talk to me. Tell me what the Lord says, but do it in secret, because if my counsel finds out, they'll kill you. He's the king. Talk about living in fear. What a coward. You're the king. Be the king. Remove all those other ones. So Jeremiah spoke the truth to him. Here's the deal. Go out and submit yourself to Nebuchadnezzar, and Judah will stay here. This temple will stay here. You, you'll stay on your throne. But see, a character flaw inhibited obedience in him. Can we take this all the way back to Genesis 3? The master said, you can eat anything that you want in here. Anything. Except that one tree right there. The tree of the knowledge of good. You get anything in here. It's all yours. Except that right there. That one. And Satan comes in and does what? Did God really say that? Satan speaking in Jeremiah. Well, that's... Oh, no, no, no. Is God really speaking through him? Come on. And so we have to answer with the voice of truth. We have to awaken the voice of truth. In this case, in Jeremiah's day, their negative answer, of course, resulted in their demise and their destruction. They wanted to kill him for speaking truth. What did they want to do to Yeshua? They wanted to kill him. He says, round two here, all you disobedient people in the house of Israel. He quoted Isaiah to them, right? You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far away, far, far away from me. And is this this whole thing right here that, that they're really worshiping? It's going to be completely destroyed. It would trampled underfoot in Luke. Until the age of the Gentile season is over. And here we are today. The cancel culture is doing everything in its power to silence the voice of truth, the word of Adonai. They loathe the light that's in you. They loathe the word of God that comes forth from you. They loathe your online positions 
to stand for righteousness, truth, purity, and holiness. They loathe you. The press, they loathe you. I've shared this story several times in 2015 when, when, they, were, when they were just as close to legalizing same-sex marriage. What the press, who'd the press bring in? A pastor. A somewhat well-known national pastor. And see, here, here's the problem. That reporter knew exactly what she was doing. Because she said, you know, are, are you for this? Of course, his answer was, nope. So she opens the word. Where, did, where does it say that? He says, Leviticus, Proverbs, she opens up, up. And you know what she asked him? You eat ham? You know what he answered? Yeah. Guess what's a few verses past homosexuality? Thou shalt not. And from that time on, he was like a goldfish out of water. She kept drilling him and drilling him and drilling him. He had no foundation. She nailed him. She nailed that guy. I'd be surprised if he's even a pastor today. Because he could not stand on the Word of God. She trapped him in a snare, and he had nowhere to go. He just admitted that, I follow this, but I don't follow that. That's No, you can't cherry-pick the Word of God. It's all of it or none of it. And we're at the front door of judgment right now. Forty days. To be honest with you, I'm surprised we're still here now. After 2017, we had that eclipse. We had the sign, the Roman, the Revelation 12 sign, the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. 2014, 2015, blood-red moons. Passover Sukkot. Passover Sukkot. He's been screaming at us. And we haven't drawn closer to Him. I'm not talking to you as an individual. I'm not not talking to you as an individual. I'm talking now to the greater body of Messiah. But we're part of the problem. We're not sold out to a life of repentance every day. We talked about this last week. It's even more crucial now because it starts in about 20 hours. 40 days. 40 days. Here we are living with an evil and wicked generation that hates the light and rejects all truth. But we have a choice. Will we intercede? Will we repent? Will we pray for this nation? Daniel, such a profound prayer in Daniel chapter 9. He didn't do that stuff. He didn't do any of it. He remained true and holy to God the entire time. Refused to eat the king's nasty food. The Daniel fast. I mean, come on. What, what an example this is. But as soon as he reads Jeremiah's words 70 years old, he begins repenting. We've got grave issues in this nation. I've heard this for the last two and a half years for racial reconciliation. I've seen thousands of posts. My family never owned any slaves, so what do I got to repent for? You're part of this nation! Daniel didn't do it either. But understanding the roots of who he is, we'll never move forward if we don't repent and bring healing to the past. If we don't repent, not only for the last year, for the last 40, 50 years. 60 Million children passed through the fires of Molech since 1973. And we are still fighting it now. Still arguing. We had a great decision a month ago, but that wasn't the end of it. Or do we remain apathetic and complacent until the judgment just comes and everything's destroyed? As a nation, we haven't repented. We've, We've catered to prophecies that tickle our ear to hear what we want to hear. Our sins are no less greater than Israel's. Our pride is a clenched fist in the face of God. Our arrogance is an act of self-centeredness. And our defiance is willful disobedience to the God of heaven and earth, creator and sustainer of families, governments, and life itself. This results in national judgment. Too many place their trust upon man, Vice Yeshua. Joint Chiefs of Staff gave a public press release this week that probably nobody paid attention to. That China is literally prepared for war. They're at DEFCON 4. They're putting ships to sea, soldiers on aircraft. Will it be Taiwan? Us. they got a lot of problems. Will it be Vietnam? Will it be India? they got a lot of people that don't particularly care for them. And they're this close to bankruptcy as a nation. And, and in my human mind, I'm thinking, 
as, as much as they've done, they still pale in comparison to our own military. We just look at the numbers. But it's not the size of the force. It's whether the presence of God is with us or not. And since 1948, Israel's won every war against overwhelming odds, against militaries ten times their size. Why? Because Adonai is with them. We're told not to trust in the horses, not to trust in the swords. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But if in our defiance the presence of God has departed from us, woe be to us! It won't matter what military things we have in place. And oh, by the way, because of all this nonsense, we're at the lowest, lowest recruitment rate and morale the military's ever seen, ever. They were offering sailors who would go into the Navy before July 1st a 100,000 signing bonus, and they couldn't get them to come. We're not training our military to defend our nation. We're training them gender dysphoria terms to call their fellow servicemen, you know, rabbits or bunnies or him, them, she, it, whatever. Are you kidding me? China and Russia laughing at us. God is shaking the very foundations of the earth in the body of Messiah. I have no doubt we're in the last days. And all that we're experiencing is recorded throughout the Word. It says, in that day, there'll be a great apostasy, even the elect of God. Here we are. The top names and leaders of Christendom are now, well, you know, God's Word's evolving on the same-sex thing. No, it's not. God's Word's infallible. It will never change. They're the ones that are prostituting themselves to the world. But soon the shofar will sound, and the Messianic reign will be established upon this earth, and Yeshua will return to rule as king over all the earth. But will we be here when it happens? See, because the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. There's caution here. Psalms 27 is very profound. That we who abide in him, he will defend and protect. But David, who wrote that, was a man that would confront injustice. He was a man who would confront sin. See, that doesn't work if we're not upholding our part of the covenant. We can't have one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom, read Psalms 27 and think, man, we're going to make it through this. Because that's not going to happen. And yes, it's a choice. And it's up to us. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we humbly and boldly come before you this evening. Father, we've reviewed, we've looked at the patterns of history. Your word is so clear in Deuteronomy. We understand Shemitah. We understand what these 40 days represent. Either revival or judgment. But it's up to us. Father, I'm praying not for lips that honor and hearts that are far away. I'm, I'm praying for true, committed believers who will walk in the light of Your Word, Your living Word, to stop this rejection, to stop this cherry-picking of the Word. Father, I pray tonight, right now, in Yeshua's name, that You would shut every mouth of every false prophet that are prophesying lies and false dreams. Father, I'm praying that they would lose my email. Because I'm sickened to see it anymore. Father, I'm praying for shepherds to stand up in this hour, to speak truth, to stand upon the truth of your word. You will scorn the shepherds who don't shepherd the sheep. Father, my passion, my heart goes for every congregation leader, every pastor, every Messianic rabbi, every rabbi, Father God, to be bold in this hour and to stand upon the truth, the entire truth of the word of God. So many distractions, so many other things going on. When the warning signs are right before us, but nobody wants to talk about it. We don't want to face it. Father, open our eyes to see truth. Remove the sluggish fat from our ears to hear truth. 
Help us to prepare and be ready like the five bridesmaids that had the oil and were prepared. Not the five who weren't. It was too late when the shofar sounded. Father, I'm praying for circumcised hearts tonight. I'm praying for bold warriors in your kingdom tonight, right now. To go out into this darkened world, to start bonfires of revival, to light fires, Father God. These are critical days, Father. We need you. We need clear heavenly strategies, Father God. We need your presence. Don't depart from us. We need the resurrection power to return back to the body. We need the gifts to return. We need discernment. We need healings. We need signs and wonders, Father God. We're a dead and apathetic body, God. Not striving after you. Remove the distractions of this world, Father, that we may truly focus upon you. Any hindrance that keeps us from clearly hearing your voice, I pray right now when Yeshua's name would be removed. And tonight we say, Hineni, we are here. We're listening. We will be compliant, obedient, ready to serve you and do what you command us to do. Father, let the transformation begin here tonight, right now. Every spirit, every soul that's in this room right now. Return us back to you, O Lord, Hashivenu, and you will return to us. This we seal by the blood of the Lamb, by the name of Yeshua, Jesus, the name that's above every other name. Amen and amen. Once again, the altars are open. And they're going to be open right through to Yom Kippur, the day of purging. The purging and the shaking, it's coming. It's coming. When that shofar sounds, well, where will you be found? Glorifying Him or cruising pornography. Praising His name or gossiping. Humble before Him with a contrite, repentant heart. Or standing with a clenched fist saying, We don't have to do that, it's done away with. Oh God, as Daniel said, the writing's on the wall. We need an awakening, Father. The bride's asleep and unprepared. Send us fresh fire, O God. We repent before You. For the sins of Molech. For Ashtoreth poles that we've constructed for idols in our lives. Sexual immorality. We repent, O God. We repent for unforgiveness, O Lord. We repent for not obeying You, for not seeking Your face. O God, right here from the eastern gate of America, the start, we repent for the scourge of slavery upon this nation. That's never been resolved. That's never been dealt with. Father, we repent for every broken First Nation treaty. Every treaty this nation has made is broken with the indigenous people. We repent, God. We repent for throwing you out of our courtrooms, for throwing you out of our schools, for throwing you out of our government. We repent. We repent for our apathy and silence while it was occurring. Your word says silence is a sin, and yet we've been silent for decades. Forgive us for tolerating sin. Yes, we love every person, but that doesn't mean we condone behaviors that are sinful and wicked and evil. Forgive us for loving the world. Thank you for listening in. For your love offering of $7 or more, you can have a copy of today's teaching. Call us at 757-874-3303. That is 757-874-3303. Or visit zionsake.org. For your love offering of $15 or more, you can receive a copy of Rabbi Carlson's groundbreaking prophetic book, Is God Done with America? Rabbi Eric Carlson is an anointed, powerful, sought-out church and conference speaker. To have him speak at your church or host a one-new-man conference, 
Call today to schedule this Jewish believer in Jesus to come to your congregation with supernatural, holy fire, revival, and fresh manna from heaven. Follow us on social media and live stream with us every Friday at 7.30 p.m. Our mission is to spread the good news of Messiah Yeshua to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, as prescribed in Romans 1.16. Shalom. May the living God of Israel bless you and keep you. I wish to personally thank all of our listeners for their prayers and support as we press for the awakening and revival of America and for Jewish revival through the one new man of Ephesians 2.15. God has given us a supernatural vision to be in 1,000 radio stations and 100 TV stations. This is a vision beyond us, but that's how we know it's from Him. For with God, all things are possible. Through listeners like you, we've begun adding additional airtime already. You are making a difference as we take the good news around the world. I'm asking for your continued help and support to purchase more airtime and saturate the airways with God's Word and Spirit and Truth with your gifts. We have a retired couple who repeatedly sends us $1,000 at a time. Again, gifts, small or large, are deeply appreciated. God decreed a covenant promise of those who stand with us, the Jewish people, in Genesis 12.3, I will bless those who bless you. Thank you for being a blessing and standing with us. Until the shofar sounds, I'm Rabbi Eric Carlson. May the Lord God of Israel bless you and keep you. You're listening to Solace Radio, Monta Vista, Colorado. If you like the programming you hear on Solace Radio, please become a partner with us and donate any amount you'd like. Sure appreciate it, and it helps us to reach more and more people around the world with this great message of hope. Thank you for listening to Solace Radio. Now, back to our program. 